0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Puzzle, brought to you by FullScale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Start a Puzzle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined with Allison Cousins, who's the founder and CEO of Approach Dating. She's building a dating app. That may sound crazy. She's going to tell us all about it today, about how her company is different, and the struggles of competing and differentiating yourself in a crowded marketplace, like dating is a a crowded marketplace. There's a lot of dating apps, and uh, excited to see what we can learn from her today and her experience of trying to compete in such a crowded market space. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Full Scale building a software team doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be hard to find software developers. At FullScale, we have 300 employees building lots of cool technology for lots of people. You can check us out at FullScale.io. That's my company. Check us out. Allison, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward to chatting.
0: So when I hear about somebody creating a dating website, it reminds me of Mark Zuckerberg creating Facebook because he was trying to He was trying to find girls at college right like wasn't the original premise of this thing he was trying to find girls did you start this to find a date
1: i did uh i did indeed the founding story is that i i'm actually divorced and so entered the dating market place for the first time actually you know as a single mom and had a you know full career really had a lot of emphasis on you know fitness and friends and so found very limited time. And, um, you know, dating was something that I was interested in finding a partner, but really couldn't figure out a way to do it efficiently and authentically, if that makes sense. Um, and so it really did. It started over my own personal journey of, you know, looking for a partner and, and finding myself again through, through the whole experience.
0: Well, I I can kind of relate. I got a divorce about five years ago and, uh, online dating sucked. It was horrible it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And I, I probably probably shouldn't talk about this online here. But you know, I, I have my own crazy tender story. Like I, you know, I, I yeah, it, it was a total disaster, especially as a guy. Like I know the experience for guys is totally different than it is for the ladies. Um, but what what made you decide to create your own dating website? What what was kind of the tipping point of like, you know what, I've there's I've got a disrupt this. There's got to be a better way for, for dating.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, I applaud you for, for jumping into the dating space yourself. And I always love talking about talking to people who have that firsthand experience. Um, yeah, the tipping point was really that I would, I realized I was wasting so much time and I'd have, you know, like a really good digital connection with somebody that didn't translate in person. And so I was like, just like in the problem solving mode of, You know, how could this be built in a way that kind of re-engineers the way people connect, where you're connecting over something that you really enjoy doing and that you start your relationship or your connection over a shared interest so that, you know, you kind of have the same lifestyle, you have the same interests and priorities. Um, I was actually like on a run and I'm I'm a runner. So it was like mile six of a run and I ran past another guy who was really attractive and I like had a great moment of like eye contact and smile and I was like, oh my gosh, he could be it, you know? And then I was like,
0: (laughs) there's Prince charming.
1: Yeah. Like I'm never going to stop somebody and be like, Hey, I'm Allison. I'm single, you know? And so I was like, you would have made his day. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. I know. Yeah. Then I started like thinking about the ways or the reasons why people don't like have meet cutes and connect organically quite as often as they did before technology. And it really comes down to like fear of, uh, re- fear of rejection, which is exactly that, and unknown relationship status. You know, it's 2024, people don't wear rings, right. you have long-term partners. Um, and so, like, trying to figure out what this could look like as a tool to connect people rather than, like, hey, I want to just sit on my couch and swipe for validation and, like, you know, have all these random conversations that, you know, m- the majority of them fizzle and don't actually end up into a, a real, a real connection. So that's how it started. I, it was really like, I want to find a way to connect with people better and, you know, do so over a lifestyle.
0: So if I signed up for your site, I would go in and put like what my interests are and the, and the matching would be based on the interest would be based on trying to get us to do that activity together. Or like, how does, how does that work?
1: Great question. So it's more designed around, uh, proximity and spending like where you're spending your time. So Uh, We show you a radar um, rather than like swiping through a million profiles. So you can like just pick the and choose the radars that, you know, like are of interest of you Um, and you swipe right to send a nudge and a nudge is a proposal to connect in person. So that's like, we're trying to get people off the apps as quickly as possible. Um, And then there's, we have our main differentiator is a live feature. So that is um, kind of in two components. One is the, first date venues. So these are like wine bars. We have Bar K, St. Louis, and Kansas City. Okay. That, you know, same location of that. Um, you know, restaurants, places where people are going a first date, subscribe to be listed as a suggested meeting location, and they offer a special. So they um, are trying to incentivize people to come to their, their establishments, but also, you know, incentivizing you like it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg to go on a quick first date. Um, and so, that's one way you can connect is like through a direct uh, first date setup up through the app. Those first date establishments also have the opportunity to host a monthly singles event. So that could look, it's very informal. It's not really structured. It's like, Hey, let's bring a bunch of single people to the same space. You know, they probably live demographically in the same area um, and just have an opportunity to connect and talk with different people. And the idea is to like reframe what a, what a positive connection is. It doesn't have to be, your life partner, but you know it might be something that benefits you, in like a network connection for business or a new f- single friend that you could go out and hang out with, um, and then just kind of like reduce the barriers of why people don't connect in person anymore. And then the the other live component is a is connecting at large scale events. So this would be like if you went to a blues hockey game, you could see who else is attending the game and then propose to connect with them at one of the the venue locations, like the Jameson bar between periods. Okay. Um, so that's kind of more of like a, I'm here right now. I want to meet you right away. We don't actually, you know, very minimal chatting is involved before you have that face to face. But it also is, you know, a layer of safety because you're at a public place there's security. Okay. Um, and also like, Oh, you know, the third period started, like, I'm not feeling this. I got to go back to my seat now. And so it's like an out, you know, and if you're really enjoying the conversation and the, and the company, you can continue on, or you could just end it right there. And then it makes it like a really easy way to say thanks, but no
0: thanks. So is there still an element of looking at all of those people and figuring out who you want to meet or, or do you really not know who you're going to meet?
1: Yes. Yeah. So you can see all the profiles and all those different various situations. Like if you're just at home, you could see who else is in your radius based on, the, the proximity you sent. Okay. So it could be like one mile or 10 miles. If you're actively attending an event, you can see who's at that event, both kind of at those smaller single mingles that are hosted by the first date venues and at the large scale events. So you can decide so it, who, who you send a nudge to and who you propose to go meet with.
0: But so is there still an element of kind of swiping left and swiping right?
1: There is, yes. Um, that's We call it a nudge instead of a match. So like the idea is like you're truly saying, Hey, I'm interested in connecting with you rather than like, or is it,
0: or is it kind of mixing the going through and, and swiping? Yes. The ones you swipe yes on now I'm at a public event and they just happen to be here or they happen to be nearby. And now how do I maybe randomly meet this person?
1: Yeah. Is that part of it? Yeah. So you're connected through a chat and so you can set up a a, opportunity, you know, let's meet at the third on the third level Mm -hmm. at the bar or whatever, or, um, So the idea is really to emphasize connecting earlier and being in the same place. And if you both like hockey, you're both probably sports people, which means your lifestyle looks a certain way. Um, Okay. So, so
0: so most of the existing data dating websites that people have heard of. So you have like Bumble and hinge and Tinder and match and OkCupid Cupid and all these sites. Aren't most, all of them owned by two people.
1: Yes. Yeah. Match group owns the majority of the space. Um, and that, and they're all, you know, have a very small differentiator, like, you know, Tinder has kind of got that hookup reputation, uh, Bumble, the woman makes the first move, but they really do the same thing. They just, it's like a matching situation and, yeah. then, you, and then you connect through messaging and that's it.
0: So, so I first got married uh, in 2003 and you, you might, you might find this funny. I met her on hot or not.com. Oh my gosh. So I don't know if you remember that member hot or not.com, but it was a site where you could see pictures of girls or pictures of guys and you would rate them one to 10. Okay. Well, it had, um, it had a match like meet me feature, Mm -hmm. like dating thing in it too. And so for whatever reason, I don't remember, this was a long time ago. I think, I think what happened, I think this is what really happened is me and like a couple of the other software developers I worked with, we were all single and we put ourselves on hot or not because we wanted to see which of us got the highest rating, which of us was the hottest. I think that was the joke. And of course, we were all like sixes or something. None of us were going to be tens. But I think that's why how we ended up on this site. Really? But and then I was single and ended up trying the, the 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 match meeting part of it. And that's how I met my wife. And wow. we were married for 15 years. And that's then
1: like we got early online dating. Very early. It
0: was. It was. And then I got a divorce. And then um, I got remarried uh, almost four years ago. And I met my wife about five years ago. I met her on filipinocupid.com.
1: Cupid Okay.
0: So she's from the Philippines I, and I did, I, um, you know, I own a business there and i had been to the Philippines and really love the people. And I'm like, you know what? I want to try dating. Yeah. And um, yeah, I signed up for Filipino Cupid, which is for the Philippines specific. Uh-huh. And for those who don't, who don't know this, there are country specific dating websites for international dating. There's a bunch of different ones. And yeah, so that's how I met my wife on Filipino Cupid. So wow it absolutely works. But for those who, my point was like, for those who didn't realize there's like a couple people that own all of these common sites, like Filipino Cupid, I'm, I assume is owned by OkCupid and whatever. But so how do you, how do you look at differentiating yourself and competing against them? Right? So how how do you differentiate yourself?
1: That's a great question. I mean, it comes down to, first and foremost, the user experience is much different because we are connecting people with places where they can go meet people organically and and secondly, the biggest differentiator is our the way our business model is is set up. so most most dating apps are subscription based or freemium so users can use the you know basic elements of the dating app for free or they could subscribe you know up subscribe or upgrade to the premium features and have access to X Y or Z where they can filter by height or they can you know do whatever else. Um, but ultimately, and then they also, and then some of them also have advertising. So it's, you know, it's subscription revenue and advertising revenue. Um, and most of the advertising is like, like I was on Tinder and like, I'm getting advertising for like nail salons, which are really not related to me finding a match. Like, yes, of course I want <laughs> nails to look great, but, um, so, you know, they're. Their success is based on how many single customers that they have, and if they lose, and they don't really
0: want any of them to get a date, right? They want them to keep subscribing.
1: Yes, and if they lose you, if you find your partner, you're gone. You're not their customer anymore. And so, we looked at that and said, like, that's not actually doing any of the single people a, a good service, you know. So, we built our model based on the partnerships with the venues and the first date locations. And one, okay. Dating apps have a really high churn rate, right? If you are successful, you get off or you take a break right. or what what have you. Whereas our model is based on this like standing relationship with first date venues. Like the only reason that we would lose them is if it was not, you know, providing that value add for them or if they close their business rather than okay. oh, they found their partner, right? Um, and so most of our the majority of our revenue... But 90% of our revenue is driven through those relationships with, um, it, you know, advertising based um, and hosting events through the partnerships. And then we do charge the the single consumer for a few features, but we're really w- emphasizing the majority of the model going towards um, that more sustainable component of the businesses.
0: So that that makes total sense. And so like in Kansas City, there's a place called the Melting Pot and like that would be like the perfect place to go for a first date, and it's like a romantic sort of place or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that would make total sense for them to partner with somebody like you to promote and and be that kind of first date side and all that. That makes total sense. So um, where? So I guess another question is where are you? Where are you guys at in kind of the stage of of the company and and launching this and and getting traction and growing? Like where, where are you guys at in kind of the stage of that?
1: Great question. We are so we the idea came, of came about in 2020 which was like the height of the pandemic. So we waited to launch our our MVP about summer of 2021. Um, so we raised a very small round of capital. We kind of put a small development team together through equity um you know they they developed for equity early on and then launched that early 2021 and then we spent the next like two a year and a half to two years kind of Um, figuring out the space in St. Louis. We had about 55 beta um, partner businesses. So collecting feedback, feedback, iterating the product, improving the product. Um, Ultimately that MVP had a lot of bugs which interrupted the user experience, but we were still able to collect um, a lot of data and feedback from the user and from the businesses. Um, and then in early 2023, we kind of pivoted towards this live concept where we started piloting singles events at those partner businesses. Um, we did start generating a small amount of revenue through those partnerships. Um, and now we're really the last, the latter part of last, of, the, of 2023. It's, hard, it's weird that that's last year now. Um, we started working to develop like the comprehensive frame, wired frames for kind of this full product. Um, so our MVP initially only had the opportunity to, I didn't have the live component, which is like, like kind of our true differentiator. So built out and we have all the wireframes and we're kind of like locked in loaded right now to redevelop the full product. Um, we are actually going to launch a Kickstarter in um, February to raise about 100K to bring that, that next iteration of the product to life. Um, okay. Okay. And- and then really our goal is to hit the ground running. We're going to be um, in five markets initially, which are St. Louis and Kansas city, kind of our sister cities, launch cities, um, Chicago, Denver, and Tampa, which all have a high population of young single professionals. They have a number of uh, professional sports teams and they have like a really thriving small business ecosystem with lots of first state venues. Um, and, and just like a, yeah, it's like our target market essentially.
0: I. I love the idea of the the first date venue thing, and and in the app, you're trying to push people to go do that. Like, oh, do you want to go play pickleball together? Do you want to go run together? Do you want to go to the melting pot? Do you want to go to the bar? Do you want to go to the hockey game or whatever? Like, I think that's a really cool, and if and it's great for those venues, right? To you're a lead source for them. Um, yeah. so, seems like all of them would be interested in signing up if you can actually deliver you know, yeah. business to them. Right. Like it, it seems like a no brainer for them to be like, yeah, please bring singles in. Right. Like, yeah. but so I guess my question for you then is like, how do you, how do you get singles to your site? Have you figured out how, you know, how to drive that side of, of the engagement?
1: So, well, just let me add one more thing about the value add to the, the businesses and the partners is we're building in this backend, uh, Analytics panel, so they can see the revenue that's generated. Um, they can see the amount of connections that are happening at their spaces, the large-scale venues like you know the hockey and and MLB and all that. Like they'll have a a ticket link, so that it'll all be generated directly from our app. But they'll be, it basically will just uh, prove the value add is there. And oh and, well, yeah, you maybe... could
0: sell tickets and stuff right out of your app.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um, the second part of your question, or the your question. Is it's kind of a, a combination of collaborative marketing approach. So our partner businesses are going to have tabletop things on their QR codes on, okay. their, on their restaurants and their storefronts. Um, ideally, our partnerships with the large scale event venues, there'll be like an announcement between you know innings or between periods where they're like, hey, if you're single, we'll host themed singled nights at, at at them on you know on lower attendance nights to drive traffic. But you know if if we're at Bush Stadium, they have capacity of forty eight thousand fans everybody knows somebody who's single. So if they made a, you know, a whole, uh, stadium wide announcement, we're going to be pretty present in St. Louis pretty quick. If, if, if we're able to take that collaborative march,
0: should approach. be the, the kiss cam by approach dating.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, and then we, you know, like when we get down the road and people are finding success and they're, doing proposals, you know, between innings again, like we'd love to be able to say, oh, they met their approach and all that here, right here at Bush Stadium. Um, and the other, the other kind of component that I think is another differentiator I wanted to mention was um, we eventually are going to transition our dating portal, you know, dating component into a couple's portal so that people who find their partner and they find success, um, you know, kind of talking about speaking into the churn, of the single consumer. We want you to be successful in finding who your partner is. Um, but we also want you to continue dating your partner. And so you can, that's a great idea. Yeah. So you can continue to capitalize on the, I need that. Yeah. So you can plan your date. You can, you know, have a special, but all these first date venues, they still want you to come because, you know, and
0: I don't mean that in some like weird swingers way. I mean, like I just need, (laughs) I just need something for me and my wife to go do tonight. And I don't, I don't yeah. have any ideas. So if you have ideas, yeah. that would be great.
1: Well, yeah. and then also like you, you know, you have a number of kids, so it's hard to find friends who have shared interests as, as an adult, especially when you're like, I want my wife to be friends with this buddy of mine's wife. Um, and so figuring out ways to connect couples to make new friendships. Yeah. That's
0: them. a good idea too. Yeah. It's like double dating. And I don't mean it's some weird swingers way, but yeah, just
1: that's, regular, that's
0: like we just say things to do.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, you know, if you're into that, also, okay, but that's not kind of the whole intent originally. But anyway, yeah. yes. So. Well,
0: I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by FullScale. If you're looking to hire software developers, we can help. We have a huge team that helps build all sorts of stuff. Doesn't matter what your tech stack is, programming language type of app, all that stuff. Could be a dating site. Check us out at FullScale.io. So I do have a question for you, though. How hard has it been to build this technology? Is this, has this been easy? Has it been hard? Tell, tell us about that.
1: Both myself and co-founder are non-technical. So our backgrounds are okay. education. So we are learning as fast as we possibly can about on the, you know, the tech side of it. Uh, it has been challenging. We, we commissioned two developers out of the Philippines, you know, both English speaking. They actually worked previously for some tech startups here in the United okay. States. We were connected through um, some mutual friends and um, I'm, you know, look pretty quickly learned how to build wireframes and to communicate like the vision of what we're trying to build yeah. out. So I think I didn't fully understand um all of the revisions and the QA testing and all of the kind of process beyond like, hey, here's this idea. No, make it and bring it to life. And so it has been really challenging because it's been a huge learning curve just because of my background and my experience. Um we have engaged with a firm called Hyperspace Ventures, and they're based out of UNC in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. My co-founder is an alumni of, of UNC, and so they, we connected through them to, to work okay. through the kind of the next iteration of our building out the new wireframes. Um, and so it has been really challenging, but you know, I think with this next raise, we want to look To hire a CTO and really kind of bring somebody on our team with that expertise, um, because we know that that's an area that we need support in.
0: So, what, what, how has it been with working with a couple developers in the Philippines? As you know, I have 300 employees there, so I'm curious how your experience has been.
1: Honestly, it was phenomenal. They were great communicators. They were very prompt and on top of it. They built out a really thorough workflow and followed through on timeline. Um, I had a really positive experience. I think. I just personally underestimated the timeline and the kind of the, the full scope of work beyond that initial build. And, and it is, you know, there's so many iterations and it's an ongoing, you know, you don't yeah. just build and leave it. Um, which when I, in my head, when I first started, it was like, Hey, we're just going to put this app in the app store and then we're going to see what happens. But it's not just as simple as that. And so, um, it was a really positive experience. It really was, they were great, great humans and individuals, mm-hmm. but, um, also just had a great work ethic and good enjoyed working with them.
0: Very good. Yeah. We, um, I think people are never think about hiring software developers in the Philippines and, you know, we've, we've had a lot of great success there. And, um, you know, we have a fantastic team Were they, were they trying to use the software in the Philippines or like, Hey, we're going to use this for dating in the Philippines. <laughs> did that yeah, come yeah. up to you? Uh,
1: they did some of their QA testing lo- locally because you know, it was just easier. Um, <laughs> I think there was definitely interest. They at the time they were both single. I think one of them now is partnered. <laughs> so I think there was like interest to be like, how fast can we build this, and then you know make it go worldwide. <laughs> I was like, well, let's just one th- one thing at a time here. Um, St.
0: Louis first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So when you think about hiring a CTO, I'm curious. Tell, tell us more about what you're hoping to get from the CTO, and you know, are you thinking about hiring somebody like a fractional CTO? What are, what are you thinking about there?
1: Short-term, yes. Fractional, definitely, From where we are, kind of size and scope of the company. Um, you know, we really need somebody with the ins and outs of the tech, the, st- the stack, and just knowing, you know, the kind of how we want to phase the app through the iterations that we kind of have in our pipeline. Um, you know, the project management side of it is something that is not in my wheelhouse. And, um, yeah. you know, that's that is what makes or breaks the dev team in my opinion. And so, Hundred percent. um, so yeah, somebody who's really on the, on, you know, kind of a flying 3000 feet and making sure that everybody's doing their part within that.
0: Yeah. I think a fractional CTO is a fantastic, uh, fantastic option. And I know a few people that do that and I know firms that offer that and you can find a fractional CTO for like five to $10,000 a month, kind of roughly numbers, you know, and, and up. But, mm-hmm. um, I think they are, they are worth every dollar of it. And even at full scale, you know, I always recommend to our clients, like to have somebody that, you know, honestly keeps our team in check, helps run our team, help, help work with you and be the buffer between our team and you, you know, um, provides a lot of value and, you know, you always need help with the, the, the leadership and architecture and stuff, somebody that you can trust, right. Somebody that you can build that relationship to help, build trust in of like, how are we going to build the technology, make those smart technology decisions. And as you've learned, like it's, it's hard. And there's all sorts of layers of complexity to it that, you know, if you're not familiar with, like you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right. In, in a lot of ways, and you just slowly learn all these things over time that in some sense distract you away from other aspects of the business, right? If you had this fractional CTO, they could just deal with all this stuff. You could trust them. Mm -hmm. And it would free up probably a lot of your time, I'm sure as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that was one of the things and, you know, early on, just having no experience and even thinking about like what stack we're building on and, you know, it was based on the decision was solely based on the experience of the two developers that we had at hand rather than what's for the long term of the company and, you know. So, you know, one of those things where you look back in, in 2020, you're like, Oh, (laughs) but I just didn't know at the time. And so it really helps, helps, uh, put in perspective how you want to build moving forward.
0: So back, back to building a dating website, I always, I always describe marketplaces as one of the hardest businesses to build, be it you have, you know, some sort of seller and some sort of buyer and, and you got to find both, right? Like I got to find you know, people that want to sell stuff. and I got to find people that want to buy stuff and dating websites are kind of the same thing, right? If you're like, I got to find a lot of guys, I got to find a lot of girls, you know, is there a challenge there of like, it's easier to find the guys than the girls or, it, you know, how is that experience of this too?
1: That's interesting. So a great question. I think that the challenges that we found through piloting our live events that were specifically hosted at uh, first date venues we're heavily, 70% heavily skewed female over male. Okay. Um, but we have not, because we haven't filled the whole product out, we haven't been able to beta test this stadium kind of live event, but we also know okay. that the demographics of who's attending sports games is going to skew kind of the other way in sure. male to female. So we think that there's a really um, solid a potential and opportunity ahead of us by kind of balancing between the two different types of events um, and, and opportunities for people to connect in person. So if you're a female who really likes sports and you meet, you know, a, you know, say, assuming that you're uh, straight, but um, if, you know, if you're meeting somebody who is at a baseball game and you have that shared interest, that we know that you're going to kind of start your relationship. Right. Off on, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's interesting. The dating space is, is really, um, saturated with, uh, generally it's a generalization. There are more highly educated female women that are seeking a male companion that is, uh, at the same education level. And there's just mm-hmm. not as many men <laughs> that are on a similar yeah. level. Um, and so there's a disadvantage for women in that, in that way, but we, kind of set out trying to help support people to reframe um what it means to have a positive connection. And so we want people to kind of think outside the box of like, I'm sure when you started dating, you might have been like, okay, these are my deal breakers. Like, you know, and there's some deal breakers. I, yeah, go ahead.
0: I know when I tried online dating, I was convinced there were zero highly educated available females available. Like being a single guy, like it was it was terrible. Like I met, I think one or two people in kansas city in person that actually like met that was it wow as a single guy like it was atrociously bad
1: so have you and meanwhile
0: meanwhile my ex-wife when we were still living together like separating like she was buying a house and we were together she would get like 40 people a day on these dating websites that wanted to go on a date with her i would get zero she would get 40 like it was crazy to watch this and like she would come in the next morning and like, Oh, like whatever, you know, but she had fun, whatever. She did her dates, whatever. But oh, yeah. just from my perspective, like the man versus, you know, woman part of that was like dramatically different experiences.
1: Did you experience a, a high number of bots? I know it's the landscape has probably changed since you've been on dating apps, but that's another huge complaint from men is that there's just so many female bots um, that they like.
0: I, Never, I never saw that.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Although with AI these days, that's got to be really crazy. Like people doing some like really dumb stuff, like swipe, swipe yes on every one of them, and then have some bot that pretends to chat with all of them. Like that would be crazy.
1: Well, one in ten profiles now is is not a real human, and so you're spending oh, of time like trying to decipher. Even if, if you match, after that, you're like, oh, should we even continue this conversation? Because I don't know if you're a real human. So that's a whole nother facet that we're hoping to eliminate, because if you're trying to meet in person, like you can't be a bot and not be at the event, you know, so. Um.
0: Yeah, I I love the the focus on the meeting people in person, because I feel like part of the problem with online dating is it, it almost feels like online shopping, and you're trying to find the perfect person or whatever, right? Where if if I just met you randomly in person, I might be like, oh, you're a little short, but I love your personality, whatever, right? Like I get, I get over it. But if you're online, you're like, no, too short out.
1: That's exactly right? Like,
0: yeah. I, I think that's the challenge is people are like shopping for the perfect person on these dating websites versus if you just met people in person, you would overlook some of these things or you would have a more personal connection, right? And overlook some of these things that you wouldn't be all, you know, strict about in your search.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, we originally built the profile with like super super limited information because we wanted people to like not put everybody in a box and be like okay you have to yeah. be this tall and you have to have this level of education and you have to you know we wanted you to just be like hey meet in person did you click is there chemistry are you interested in like hanging out with this person outside of dating or do you want to continue dating this person so yeah you're absolutely spot on um it's it's hard
0: i, I always love these things on on tiktok there'll be these guys or you know, interviewing these girls about what kind of guy do you want? And you'd be like, I want six foot tall, makes six figures a year, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, this age. And the guy would be like, there are three people on the planet that meet your criteria. It'd be like 1% of people or something, right? Like literally nobody. And people, I think people are kind of delusional about some of that stuff, but.
1: It's wild. Yeah. And the more you create this box for yourself, like, you're just setting yourself up for failure really and
0: yeah well, or if you just met people in person you would overlook all of those things like you wouldn't even care
1: like the number so one fact the number one indicator of life longevity is social connection and so if you approach it in a way of like i want to have meaningful connections with people and some of these are going to turn into friends some of these are going to turn into partners or you know whatever but trying to figure out a way to like approach it with that mindset of like i just want to connect with people or see if there is a connection there and then Rather than like, yeah, hey, you don't fit in this box. I don't want to talk to you.
0: So, how do you how do you see yourself? We talked about this a little bit before, like attracting more people, you know, be it men or women to to the site. Like, how do you how do you see about getting out the like customer acquisition side of it, user acquisition side of it, and scaling yeah, I mean,
1: that? It's it's going to start uh, kind of based on city markets uh, with like our five initial launch cities we're going to intentionally with the venues yeah with intentionally go target the kind of like most popular venues and first date establishments and then collaboratively promote through that Um, there are so many other avenues there's a million like micro dating groups through meetup and facebook and so trying to engage in some of those in the initial launch our kind of long term strategy is really emphasis on, has a high emphasis on the live relationships with, you know, NFL, MLB. So we, after we kind of collect all the data that we want through this, this um, you know, MVP2 second launch, want to be able to go to, you know, MLB as a client rather than the Cardinals, because the way that their entity is set up, you know, there's the, the the local franchises, but then there's MLB. And so we would like to be able to say we want to be in all of the cities that you're operating in. What does that look like? And we have a pretty large presence because of the way that wildfire spreads, um, but, but uh, intentionally targeting the right businesses within each of those markets.
0: Okay. Well, I'm I'm curious. Do you have any other tips for people out there in regards to how to differentiate yourself, you know, in a really competitive market like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think
0: that's a great one by the way, right? You're figuring out like a different go-to-market strategy of like we partner with the venues and that that's a totally unique strategy, right? Like tender and all these people they don't do that. So that's a totally unique go-to-market strategy, which is great, but I'm curious if you have any other tips for people out there.
1: I think the what we've found the most successes is looking for collaborative approaches, you know, I think most people when they're in startup mind, it's like, what's best for my company right now. And we've kind of always been like with the mindset of what's, what could, what's, what are some potential partnerships that might not work for us in this moment? Like we don't have our live feature developed yet. Right. So like our relationship with the blues is still developing, but what does it look like, you know, in five years when we have kind of this full iteration fully developed and operating. Um, So yeah, partnerships and collaboration with other companies and thinking creatively about that. um, You know, there's a huge opportunity in social media kind of influencer influencer space right now um, to differentiate yourself and and partner with people who um, kind of have a larger presence within each of those spaces. Um, I think, you know, like Amazon does such a good job with, using their Amazon affiliate marketing people to sell products. And so um, mm-hmm. thinking about what that looks like for a dating app. And so kind of, you know, again, looking at what other people are doing um, and figuring out how to apply it to, to your unique concept.
0: Well, I, people always, when I, when I talk to people about business, you know, people talk about idea or the execution and execution is everything. And the idea is not that valuable, but I think, I think there's a third thing there that makes most companies unique and it's the go-to-market strategy, right? And you, know, you, can, you can compete in a highly competitive market like yours if you have a different strategy or you have a different go-to-market strategy that with the partnerships or how you acquire customers in a totally different way than anybody else does can make you highly successful. And, and for those who are listening, I think that's the key is you, you can be competitive, but it could be the partnership that you have or just a different angle of how you attract the customers could be a totally different business and you can win and compete in a very competitive market if you just figure out that unique angle that nobody else does. And the problem with most entrepreneurs is they don't want to do it because they want the whole market. You're like, I want to compete with everybody. I want all the customers versus if they would narrow their focus down and be like, no, I'm going to be the best there is for this like niche and I'm going to figure out how to penetrate this niche in you know a different, unique way they could be successful but most of us don't want to do that it's like we want everything we want to be number 1 and then they fail because they can't figure out how to differentiate themselves versus if they pick a small part of the market figure out how to differentiate themselves they could be successful
1: very true we originally were like we who's your target market you know and we're like oh obviously millennials everyone yeah yeah millennials single millennials young professionals and then as we piloted more and more events we really f- f- uh, identified that like the divorced like 50 plus demographic is like that. They never had technology when they were meeting their first wife or partner or whatever. And so it's like the only way they know how to meet people is in person. And so we're like, okay, you know, it made us really, really reevaluate who are we really targeting first um, and, and, or, you know, secondary opportunities. But you're right, niching down and making sure that you're really hyper-focused on one specific kind of clientele first is so important.
0: Yeah. And then you can always expand. And then you had somebody like, uh, uh, you know, the match group or whatever, they own all these different dating websites for this different reason, right? Like Grinder is obviously different than Tinder, which is different than match or eHarmony or whatever. Like they all have kind of their own unique, you know, types of, of dating sites. So, um, it makes total sense. Well, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by full scale. If you're looking to hire software developers, grow your team, augment your team, you can check us out at fullscale.io. Well, Allison, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um as we round out the show, I'm curious if you have any final words of wisdom for other first-time entrepreneurs out there.
1: You said it already, but I just want to reemphasize it. It we've had so many people that uh when, when we showed the idea or pitched, they're like, Oh, I had that idea, you know, and the thing that differentiates anyone more than anything else is execution. Um, you know, doing the work to bring it to life or to make it happen or to make the connection and and the hustle. So, um, I like bringing that full circle. It is a hustle and you know it, <laughs> you know it well. Um, but yeah, do, do the thing that you want to do. And you've been thinking about doing because if you don't, you'll, you'll regret it.
0: A lot of people don't want to put in the work, right? They want to Netflix and chill, not not doing the work. And uh, dating is a lot of work, like going out and dating. That's a lot of work, too. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore, and I'm very happily married. Um, So once again, this was Allison Cousins, founder and CEO of Approach Dating. Check them out. And Allison, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.